Hey everybody, we are back for another Space Junk Podcast, and today Travis Burke is back in the house talking with me and Dustin. Travis is an amazing photographer, but he's not just that. His approach to photography strives to provide perspective, and his photos and astrophotos are nothing short of humbling. He's on Instagram as Travis Burke Photography, and that's also the name of his website, travisburkephotography.com. His work has been featured everywhere, including Nat Geo, Outside Magazine, and many, many companies. I love talking with Travis when he comes around. It's a real joy because I admire his outlook on life and attitude about, well, everything. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. Easy, man. You know how this cool. goes. Shit, half of it's just doing what we do anyway, sitting on the couch. I know. That's what you we know? were doing yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> just chatting. <laughs> what are you doing right now, man? Where are you headed next? Me, I am. Where am I going next? You don't even know anymore. No, it's always kind of last minute. I yeah. might be flying up to Northern California, looking at a new adventure mobile and yeah, potentially doing a couple little adventures up there. God, that's a good life when you're when part of your normal day to day is like looking at adventure mobiles. <laughs> like that's not even a thing most people. You don't even combine those words, you know. And is there like about, a dealership for that? I mean, can you go to like mo- <laughs> you know, mo- there, there adventure is. mobile? There is. Travis showed me photos. What is this like? There, that's what they are, right? They're these big off road vehicles that look like they're armored. Yeah, there's a couple different versions and different companies around the country. You can actually go to meetups too, where everyone gets together and hangs out and kind of just, uh, yeah, looks at cool vehicles and accessories and all that stuff. But yeah, the one I'm looking at will just fit on the back of my Toyota Tacoma. So kind of manageable, small, allow me to go to remote places and continue doing what I love. And you want to stay small. I mean, that's how you started. You started in your grandmother's van. Yes. And so you, I mean, how long were you in that van? I was in my grandma's van for over, just over four years. Yeah. That thing got as famous as you did. <laughs> I think that that's what got me famous is my grandma's van. Yeah. yeah. It's even on like a, a hat, right? Yep. They got a picture of the van on a hat that they sell. Um, that van was awesome though, man. And it, and it carried you through some pretty crazy, like uh, dangerous places. You know, you're out in the middle. Everywhere I've ever met up with you is a harsh environment. Yeah. You know, it's always Death Valley or worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I I think kind of to get onto the topic we were talking about yesterday and even hopefully today is. uh, Yeah, jump in, man. My grandma was the one who gave me the van and um, kind of allowed me to set off and chase my dreams and explore Mm -hmm. the country and do photography and really got me to where I am. And so it was her act of kindness and kind of paying it forward that gave me this opportunity. And so I've been kind of continuing to look for opportunities where I can kind of do the same for other people. It's my favorite thing about you. You know, honestly, it really is, is that it's not just, you know, all companies say this type of thing. 
all right. do. You yeah. know, they really do. And um, it's always about like giving back and, and, but then when you look at it, it's like, what's really happening? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And, you know, but you do all, every time I ever talk to you, even right now, right. You, a company just tried to give you, I think it was like 500 bucks or something to their site to buy yourself some things and then talk about it, show it to your audience. You have this huge audience. Um, and instead you reject, you reject the offer because you don't want to take in the things that you feel like you don't need. Mm -hmm. And instead ask them if it's okay, if you can give that $500 to your viewers. Yeah. Right. And I mean, who does that? <laughs> who does that type of thing? I, I love that about you. I do. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, what is the, what is the response to that type of thing? I mean, what do these companies say? Are they on board with that or are they just kind of like, eh, we really want you to have it? Yeah, this country, uh, this company was backcountry.com and they were really receptive to it. I was kind of nervous mm -hmm. on, you know, I never know what a company is going to think or what their, right. I don't know what their concepts are and they have an idea and they come to me Yep. and I was kind of like, no, I don't really want to do this. I want to do it this way instead. Mm -hmm. And so I was prepared to be rejected. And from my my perspective, I wasn't actually going to take the job at first because it didn't really align with me or just didn't feel like something I was extremely passionate about at first. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, getting new product, trying to talk about it and influence people to to get these products that I'm kind of just new to myself. And so it just didn't feel authentic. But I was like, I already have as much product as I need. Right. I don't need any more gear or toys. And so, yeah, the concept was, well, what if I take that $500 that this company is trying to give me and give it to the people who make what I do possible, the, mm -hmm. the people who follow and support me. Right. And, and yeah, they were was really it, excited about it. Was it 500 cash or was it 500 in equipment and gear? Yeah, it's like a gift card. So backcountry.com oh, okay. is kind of an online uh, store and they carry all different types of outdoor adventure gear. And right. so people can go on and purchase anything they want from the site. And the danger is that you work with huge companies. And fortunately, this company is obviously, you know, the, at least their marketing team is a great team to be open to these ideas. But I would imagine just the bureaucracy within these larger companies that when you do something like that, you're doing it at the risk of losing the job because they have this plan. And you're only one piece of this plan. And if you come in trying to change details, it might be easier for them just to say, oh, we'll just do something else. Yeah, definitely. There's so many people in the industry and people that do photography and mm -hmm. people with large followings that it's a very competitive space. And so, yeah. yeah, there's there's you're always negotiating and kind of knowing that there's probably quite a few other people that have the potential of. When especially now, job. right? Everybody in the world is a photographer. Yeah. Everyone, you yeah. know, um, which is which is great because I, I mean, it's part of like my life philosophy. I truly believe photography is one of the things that stands out in my mind that can change somebody's life for the positive. But is it is it worth it? Is it worth putting yourself and your career at risk to make these uh, these moves to, I guess, be more in line with whatever what you know, kind of your mission? I think it is for me. I That's how I started was just kind of chasing my dreams and taking leaps of faith. Mm -hmm. And I think that anytime that I stray away from that, I feel like my mental health and my business and everything kind of suffer and react to that. So 
I've been learning even recently to stick to my morals and beliefs and standards and really just do what I think is right. And it's worked this far Mm. and I'm really hoping and believing that it'll continue to work in the future. I love it, man. It resonates with me, definitely. But I mean, you know, you've known me a long time. I'll die with absolutely nothing. Yeah. Right. I mean, I definitely will. Um, I appreciate you coming to the talk the other night, too. You, Travis surprised me. I was giving a talk here at uh, Wavelength Brewing and uh, surprised me out there. And then I had to put you on the spot in front of everyone, <laughs> you know. But um, but it was about the talk I was doing was about exactly this that we're talking about, yep. right? And kind of the philosophy. But do you guys ever look back because you've, you've moved into this space industry and the night sky and helping people explore it? Do you guys ever look back at that that single moment, that decision that you committed to this passion and think about how different your life would be had you not embraced that? You know, like, I mean, Tony, think yeah, I want to hear <laughs> Tony's perspective on that. Well, for me, I mean, I've always I've always known I wanted to get into space and astronomy, but it was a very circuitous route that got me there. And I, so I actually know the answer to that question because I lived it for a while. I had I had always wanted to be first an astronaut, but then I realized that that's practically not going to, it's not a practical goal. But then I wanted to be an astronomer and work as a, you know, get a PhD and become like Carl Sagan. And when I was in my high school years, I discovered that I just could not do math. I had huge math blocks. And so it was devastating because I felt like the one thing I wanted to do, which was study a space and astronomy as a scientist, uh, I could not do because I did not have the ability to do it. So I had to search for other things. And I was absolutely miserable doing anything else but, you know, thinking and studying about the stars. And so the only solace I would ever get was behind an eyepiece. If I, you know, I'd get some, I'd borrow teachers, uh, telescopes and, and things from high school. And then later from planetaria and other people that I knew, and I would just sit behind the eyepiece and the feeling I got was, I didn't realize this at the time, but the feeling I was getting and the, the sense of peace and connection I felt behind that eyepiece was, uh, you know, what I was really, I think, after. And, uh, but I was trying to fit myself into a mold I didn't fit in. Ultimately, I was able to do a career in astronomy, even with a lot of math blocks. But it turned out that the real fulfillment, the real sense of, um, being that I would get were those were those moments behind an eyepiece contemplating or looking at you know various things up in the night sky and connecting with it and so if I had not gone into astronomy I would probably and I I don't mean to overstate this I don't think I am but I would be very close to you know if not suicidal, at least I'd be on heavy medication wow. for it. You know, really? I mean, they really? were, you were yeah, that I unhappy. was that bad. Well, I was, well, I was, I was 20, I was in my early twenties, completely rudderless. I couldn't get, my grades weren't good enough to get into college. I had zero idea what I wanted to do. And so, and, and I was just feeling at the end of my, of, of everything. And so I felt like, look, if I'm going to survive this, I need to do something drastic. And the only thing I could think of at the time to do that was drastic was join the military. And so I joined the army at 25 years old and from 25 to 28, I was, I spent, you know, there, uh, in the service. And, it was something I would never do again, but ultimately I was glad I did it because it did help me in a lot of ways, keeping, you know, in, in, in 
giving myself self-confidence, first of all. And I found that by doing a lot of the training that the Army makes you do, I discovered that I wasn't entirely inept in math. I could actually do it enough, I think, to become a computer programmer, which is where I went. So, and then I became a software engineer that wrote code for telescopes and, and uh, observatories around the world. And that was very fulfilling. So it was a circuitous route. But I do know that had I not taken this path, I, I don't know that I would have survived it. I, I, I don't think I'm overstating it to say that. It was a pretty bad time. Wow. I mean, that's that's intense, man. You can't live without your telescopes, Tony. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just the telescope. I think you both know this. It's some, There's yeah. something about it, you know, and we've talked yeah. about this yeah. on podcasts ad nauseum, but it is, there is a feeling, and, and I want to talk a little bit about your post last night, uh, Dustin, on Instagram, because it was just amazing it really affected me because that while the image you posted on instagram was was stunning it was your caption that really really brought home a lot of feelings like what i just talked about this feeling of connection i don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it on this but it yeah, was yeah. no i don't mind was, it, i mean tell, that post, talk about that post because it was really a good post so i um i got into all of this because it's the philosophy that uh that drives me it keeps me here it really does and yesterday trav came in you know you don't get to come by here enough and uh you're always on the road but we were we were sitting on the couch in my office and just kind of talking and talking through some of the philosophy you know i think that's that's the piece that uh i'd say we both connected on originally and, and have since but um i just was at home thinking about it and i was like you know i've got this image and um I want to put this out there, but I'm not going to talk about this image at all. I'm going to talk about the fact that like, I really think it's okay to not be drawn to the science. And there's almost this guilt that comes with that when you're in a scientific hobby or industry where you almost have to always be like an evangelist for, for the science. And mm -hmm. the truth is, I just simply don't care about a lot of it. I yeah. don't. A lot of it bores me. Yeah. There are the interesting facts that come down that get me really excited. But then there's a lot of it where like, oh, well, we thought this was one star and it's actually a binary system. And it's like, man, that's great. Are we going there? If the answer is <laughs> no, I could not possibly care less. Yeah. You know, and that's the truth. It just doesn't excite me. It's never going to keep my interest. But the things that will are the struggle that like we all have to live within our own perspective. We're trapped in it. You can't even have a dream that you're not the main character of. Right. Like, yeah, you you are trapped in this perspective. And if we are in this perspective, we have to own it. And part of owning it is really like getting outside of it the best we can and understanding it. And that's what I was talking about in the post was, you know, the best mirror in the world may be looking as far into the universe as you possibly can away from yourself to get a better under, understanding of where it is you actually are, what it is you actually are. And the second you start doing that, all prejudice disappears. It vanishes, you know, because you realize you are in this struggle that is going to be impossible to win without the people around you and the experiences around you, the lives around you, because the real struggle is not against each other. It's against insignificance. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it is when you look out into this vast universe and the only thing you have to stack against that is, you know, your 70 years or 80, 90 years of human experience. Insignificance is the threat. That's the enemy. And, you know, we really have to try to, you know, our search, our exploration, that is 
the validation of our existence against that. That is the counter to that insignificance. That makes us very significant. Understanding and tackling this universe around us makes us significant. And I think in that we can be both infinitesimally small and infinitely large in the same moment. And I think that's what it should be about. And for me, that's what keeps me here. You know, that search is what keeps me here. That's powerful. Yeah, I respect that a lot. I wanted to just dive in on that just a little bit because it is you are spot on to the extent that we can understand the cosmos or understand our perspective to gain perspective of our place within it, then we are giving, we are chipping away at any sense of insignificance that we might feel in some way. Insignificance is a lot like guilt. It's a useless thing that, I mean, it has its places. Guilt might keep somebody from doing something bad, giving them a little forethought, or if they, 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 they may have made a mistake, felt guilty about it, and then prevent that action from happening again. So guilt does have a place. But in, in, and I'm, my comparison with that is that with insignificance, when you look up and you just go, well, it doesn't matter. We don't, we don't make a single bit of difference to the universe at all, uh, is a lot like that because that's a useless, I mean, it's counterproductive in my opinion, because when you can understand what you're looking at, when you can gain perspective to where we are within all of this, then insignificance has gone away. You've learned what your place is. And by understanding the cosmos, you have given it more meaning. And in the same way that when we die, our, our existence goes on by those who remember us, the universe can identify with our understanding of it. And I think that is uh, a very powerful thing. When I started deep astronomy, I started deep astronomy because that the goal was to provide perspective. And all of my content that I've tried to produce since I started this company has been with that in mind. Does this provide perspective? Does this help you see yourself within the larger cosmos? And that's why your post was so um, engaging to me. That's why I reacted so strongly to it. It was really a good, if you guys haven't checked it out, go to Dustin Gibbs or Dustin or Gibson picks on Instagram to check it out. It's just amazing. And he wrote a really wonderful thing there too. It's the it's the thing that keeps. I mean, it's the only reason I'm in this business. You know, our, our other business was in a completely different industry, and um, you know, we could have ridden that out forever. But it, it's a lot like what you were saying, Tony. And I know from talking to you hours and hours on end about the same thing, Trav. It's, I mean, you hated what you were doing, man. You didn't feel like you, and you can absolutely be living your life day to day, moment to moment, and not be yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like this word authentic is getting like overplayed on everybody's on everybody's like Instagram posts and everything, but maybe it is for a reason. Maybe that really is something that people are pursuing and should be. And, you know, living authentically in in a way where you really not only are doing what you feel like you can contribute, but you're feeling like yourself. I mean, I had a successful business that did not at all make me feel like I was doing something I should or wanted to do. You know, and I I know that you guys were both doing it's not like either of you were losers at all. You just weren't, you know, you weren't being true to yourself and like your passions and what drove you. And when you made that switch, did you immediately feel it or did you live in that fear for a long time? Yeah, well, I was going to say, like Tony had been talking about guilt, I think, and in guilt and insignificance, I think fear is similar in that way. You can, it's oh, good point. Very, yeah. very powerful and um, can be taken two ways. You can kind of 
run from it and feel even more insignificant. Uh, but if I think fear is a lack of education. And so if you can dive in and confront it and learn about it um, and ultimately overcome those fears and those challenges, you become such a better person in the end. And so that's what I've been trying to focus on a lot and transitioning, Dustin, like you said, from something that I wasn't passionate about, but kind of felt um, it was, I guess I was complacent where I was, but at the same time, I I felt like there was something bigger or better that I could be doing. And so that's where I had to kind of confront the fear of the unknown and take leaps of faith to pursue something that would give me more fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And with my photography, I think I've tried to um, almost put a small human element in the landscape to intrigue and inspire people and give them that sense of perspective and scale and really take a step back and show people that there's more than kind of what's in their day-to-day lives. And, and I was just in Yosemite national park and I stumbled upon this really cool star party that they do every, every weekend out there up at glacier point. And there was this guy giving a talk about the universe and everyone was kind of sitting and laying down, looking up with no lights on. And there was kids and older people. And it's just a great mix of people from all over the world. And this one girl sitting next to me um, was like, whoa, and just freaking out all night, you know, and then he was, the guy was talking about the Milky Way galaxy and she leans over to me and whispers and was like, I've never seen the Milky Way before. Yeah, And it just gave me shivers to, to know that so many of these people were getting this perspective for the first time and how much that has to sh- to change and shape their mentality. And I asked where she was from and she was from New York City. Oh, and yeah. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Uh, there's so many people that don't even have the chance to see stars at night. And so yeah. with my photography, I'm hoping hoping to kind of open those doors and give people a reason to to get out and see the landscapes and ultimately see the night sky because that's what I'm super passionate about. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's something that we take for granted, but we had a, a friend of mine, Jeremiah, on the podcast recently. He's I Deep Space on Instagram, and he was mentioning he's in close to downtown Tampa. And uh, he was like, you know, out here, man, he's like, I can barely see the moon, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and when you're in a big city, you forget that, you know, each night the, the Milky Way is going overhead and it's putting on the most spectacular show we're ever going to see. And it's lost. It's lost in the cities. You can't mm-hmm. see it there, you know. And obviously with cameras, you can cut through it with filters and those things, but you can't just walk outside and see it. But a place like Yosemite, I bet that was breathtaking for her. It's probably a life-changing experience. Yeah. And I think for her and so many other people. So I was really appreciative of that, uh, of what the Rangers mm-hmm. and um, there's some local astronomy clubs that are helping to make that possible. They had telescopes set up and people were looking at Saturn and a um, couple different, you know, things in the night sky and really giving people for the first time the opportunity to um, experience those things that they've never seen before. And I think going back to when I surprised you and came in to listen to you speak at Wavelength, mm-hmm. uh, I was really blown away and excited by what I heard you talking about with the observatories project and what you're doing and hoping to do with the different schools. Um, so I'd be 
curious and excited to hear even a little bit more of that because that goes back to paying it forward and giving back as well. Yeah. So uh, I'm fortunate. You know, Jenny, my partner mm-hmm. here, you know her very well. Yep. Um, I mean, she was following you back when we were in Tennessee in our old business, you know, before we ever knew you. So when when you and I met, Jenny had was following your Instagram. I had no idea who you were, man. <laughs> she thought you were this weird guy that lived in a van. Yeah, that's know? true. And I was right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so when we came out here, this, this was a, it was from the beginning. I mean, from the moment we decided we were doing it, we were choosing passion over the business. Mm-hmm. You know, we sh- shut our other business down. We sold our home. We bought an RV, a tiny RV, moved here to California, not knowing a soul, took entry-level jobs uh, here, actually, because we wanted to be closer to telescopes and the people that knew them. And that was the the extent of the plan. I mean, we did not have this like master plan at all, but we wanted to do that. And so then we, um, we ended up buying the company a year later. And from there, it didn't feel like, okay, so now we're here. Let's just run the company and do what we were doing before. The whole point all along was let's chase down everything that makes us feel like we are fulfilling our purpose here, right? And so we opened it up to the team. We kind of flipped the company upside down and just said, everyone here is here because you guys know how to build the biggest and best in the world. That's why you're part of this. So we're going to trust you to have the ideas that make this something worth having. And the ideas that started coming in were absolutely incredible, man. And so we have three projects and that is kind of spun off two additional smaller projects, but the three big projects that we have, the first one is the observatory project. That's the one that you and I share. Um, we So there's 62 observatories we're building around the world. We have six that are active right now. Um, but the entire idea was, what if we built these observatories in every land-based time zone we possibly can around the world, northern and southern hemispheres, and just give them away to the public? Right. Just give them away and say, it doesn't matter that you're in, you know, Phoenix City, Alabama, where I grew up. Right. And they're not going to talk about telescopes ever. You have a cell phone. Get on your cell phone. If you just come across one of our Instagrams, you know, get on your cell phone and we're going to get you into one of these observatories and you're going to see live images of deep space rolling through and you're going to control the telescope and you're going to be connected to the universe around you for the first time. You're not going to have to wait on the big agencies anymore. The NASA's, you know, the ESA's to, to show you your your own neighborhood. Instead, log in and explore your own neighborhood. Right, you should be able to do that. And so, this is a way of us, you know, just kind of forcing that into existence. And so, um, it's it's been a project, and we've been working out a lot of kinks. But that's how these things go. You know, you, you come up with these ideas, and then the work starts. But it's the best kind of work in the world, and people get so excited, man. I mean, we've had virtual star parties. Like 800,000 people will log in and just see deep space and get excited about it, you know? And it's like, what could we possibly be doing that's better than that? I can't can't think of anything, you know? I get excited when I have my little phone app, and I'm at night looking around and able to zoom in and, oh, what is this over here? And I see just a little picture (laughs) of a planet or a galaxy. But to be able to physically do that and know that you're controlling the observatory and the telescope and um, getting to see the images that you create and keep those is so special and incredible. Yeah. I was really excited about that. I I, um, absolutely love it. And 
you know, the, the whole thing was like, we just need to make this accessible. Don't charge for it. And everybody's always like, why don't you make this a business? Like you can rent mm-hmm. time and everything. It's like, then it starts going down the other path again. Like yep. We have to find ways to make this sustainable where we can just give it. And, and we've been very fortunate that that's happens. So, um, then the second one we kind of fell backwards into because we just have employees here that are too intelligent sometimes <laughs> and end up leaving us because we had one that left because he started his own space telescope company wow. right and uh so he came in and he needed help and so we were like look obviously we're on board we hate to lose you but if we're building a space telescope let's just do it you know and so space fab was born and um the telescope is built i mean it flies next year on a, a falcon 9 rocket we've already got two slots on falcon and 9 so this rockets. will be a satellite that's being launched it is a satellite it'll be moving eighteen thousand miles an hour around the earth and people can log in with their cell phones and control it Unfortunately, we have to charge for time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one, people can log in, control the telescope, and they can. It's really cool because this was more important to Jenny on the other side of it. But uh, my side was like, "Oh, we got it. We got to make explorers with this thing because right. it's twenty-four hour imaging, no atmospheric, you know, issues because you're above the atmosphere, yeah. and so you point this thing out and get half an arc second resolution on galaxies and see things that." Before, you know, you had to wait on Hubble to decide what it's going to take or, or get these pictures. But now just log in with your cell phone and do it yourself. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, and anyone can. But then Jenny was talking to Sean, uh, one of the guys, the, the uh, CTO there. And he's, he's like, we're also going to put hyperspectral imagers on this thing so people can point this back at the earth and do uh, zero waste farming. So you take a picture of a farm and then... There's absolutely no waste because you can see, oh, this section of my farm needs nitrogen. This part is underwatered. This part. So you're just watering the areas that need it. You're just adding fertilizer where it's needed. You're not just dumping everything everywhere. So it's the greenest possible thing you can do. And then as soon as Jenny heard that, she's like, I'm in. Yeah. Whatever it takes, let's do it. You know? And then, you know, you've got like Noah. It's like, we can measure ocean currents with this thing. And so you start to cover a lot of the peripheral projects that aren't going to be the, the, you know, billion dollar projects where Noah's like, well, we need our own satellites for this. They can just say, we'll just log in for, you know, a little bit of money and get the information we need to, to get this, you know, this one piece done instead of, spending tons and tons of money it just makes it viable and when otherwise it wouldn't be and so that one's really exciting as well i mean we're gonna have a space telescope you know it's nuts tony had had you heard about either of those oh yeah yeah when i first met dustin uh late last year uh that was the first one of the first things i learned about and oh yes we did a hangout with the guys uh on my channel where we talked about it and uh we did a we did a podcast on it as well so yeah i mean (laughs) I, I, it's stupendous and I'm extremely excited to, to have it come up. So it's amazing. And I wouldn't feel so bad about having a charge either because that the charge is actually, if you look at it minimal, I mean, it's just not that expensive. No. And so it's, it's going to no, be a great it's not. resource. It's not. And it's, it's a business and it's not a business that, uh, you know, I'm only a, um, a partial owner of Jenny and I only partially own the company. It's not, um, you know, it's, it's not run by us. We're just helping where we can with the support of OPT and, and marketing and things of that sort. But, um, the third project I think is the one that, that you were talking about the one probably that we're going to work the closest on. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's kind of tailor made for the way both of us think, right? But, um, this third project is called future stars and it's our newest project, 
but it came from um, one of our staff here and they were just like, look, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how we do it. But he said, you know, there's something about this person to telescope connection that happens when somebody's one-on-one with a telescope and it's not just them at their computer a thousand miles away but they are standing at the telescope and they see something come in you know tony you describe it as those photons made this billion mile trillion mile (laughs) trip to land in my eye to, to strike my retina right and so there is a connection there and he said we've got to get telescopes into schools We've got to find a way to get telescopes into schools. And so we started kicking it around the, um, the team here and everybody's like, let's, let's just, let's find a way to put a telescope in every high school in the country. Wow. And that's what the project became. And that's what we're working on now. And we, the support we've gotten is, is, is just been absolutely astonishing. It gives me so much faith for all the bad stuff you see on the news. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, people are good. They really are. You put this stuff out there and they come swarming in to say, I'm in, I'm ready to help whatever you need. You got it. I'll put my time in, I'll put money in, I'll do whatever I got to do. And that's all that we've seen from people is that when you put this stuff out there, everybody comes in saying, let's do it. Let's give the world something. Let's give the world access to the universe. Let's make a few astrophysicists out of these kids. Yeah. Right. And it could just be that people are fucking tired of hearing about the flat earth. (laughs) It could just be that. I don't know, man. But I do know that either way, either way, it's the most exciting thing in the world. And I'm so proud of my staff for thinking that way, Yeah, you know, but those are the kind of projects it's like, you know, and and the first question I got asked at Wavelength, they were like, yeah, but if you're doing all of this stuff, like, how are you going to make your money on it? It's like, I mean, I, I understand that that's the question, but I just cannot possibly imagine looking back and saying like, I could have lived on this mountain of money my entire life, (laughs) looking down at the world, right? You know, counting my coins or I can make contributions that I feel like will, that I will be proud of that part of my identity. Mm -hmm. You know, I will be proud that my team has that as their identity what we're contributing. And so even if it fails, let's say that future stars falls flat and we only get 40% of our goal. We just gave 40% of the nation's schools a telescope. How many people are going to be looking through? I mean, it's, it's, you know, tens of thousands of telescopes we're talking about. I mean, I think that these types of things, you don't let the fear stop you. You go all in and you just say, we are going, this should exist. And we have a means to at least get it started. Let's let's force it into existence, whatever it takes. And you just go all in and you just make it happen, you know? Yep. And that's where we are, man. That's what we're doing. Yeah, that's really excited. I'm I'm excited for you guys and I obviously want to be as big a part of it as I can. Yeah. And yeah, like you were saying, I think it just aligns with what both of us are about and stand for. And even hearing you just talking about fear and kind of taking those leaps of faith and just going for it, I think that's you know, hundred percent what got me to where I am and just going back to wanting to continue that. And I think people like you're talking about so many people are saying, Oh, how are you going to make a profit off of this? But I think what I've learned and what I think we both continually learn and we were talking about on the couch yesterday is if you do what you're passionate about, like the success will come Mm -hmm. in, I think in multiple ways, but Ultimately, yeah, anytime that I've done something for a financial gain, yeah. I've come away f- 
feeling more negative in the end than if I just do something for what I think is the morally the right reason, then I think it's a win-win. Like if you're paying it forward and if you're doing something authentically, I think it's always a win-win. And um, to me, that's success, yeah. not just financial. Right. You know, I, um, I I lean on a lot of other CEOs of much, much larger companies, the, the types of companies you work with, right? These, these huge multi-billion dollar companies and things. I, I try to lean on their expertise because, you know, compared to a lot of these, these, um, these bigger companies, I mean, I'm extremely inexperienced. And so I just ask them, you know, what, what are you doing? How do you do this? How do you, you know, what's your plan? What's your philosophy? And I went to, um, with Jenny, we went to Sweetwater in, mm -hmm. um, Indiana and, um, they're out in the middle of like a cornfield and they completely disrupted an entire industry. And we're, we're meeting with his name's Chuck Sorok. It's the guitar that's hanging in Jenny's office signed oh, yeah. by him. Yep. Yeah. He's one of the coolest guys on the planet. But I was just asking him, like, how did you do this? How did you take a cornfield and disrupt one of the biggest industries in the world? <laughs> and he said, the secret is that I'm a Boy Scout and they're not. And I believe that business is not about how much can you get from people. It's about how many people can you help. Wow. The person willing to stand up and say, I'm going to help the most people wins. Yep. You know, and it's just like, holy shit, it, there, there it is. There it is. And it's not about giving with expectation of something coming back. Right. It's about truly deciding that I am going to be someone that gives and delivers on promises. Right. And I mean, you look at it, he's not lying. The guy changed the landscape globally of how that's done. Wow. And um, I think that when you look at a lot of companies, like the companies you work with, look at Goal Zero. You know, that's another great company, man. Yeah. Or Patagonia. I've been, yeah, I've been learning and studying a lot from, but yeah, just so much about sustainability, environmentalism and giving back and doing things for the right reason and not just right. for a profit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was curious, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, just if there's a way, just because I'm so excited about this um, project and I think a lot of listeners will be as well, but is there any way that people can help to make this possible? Yes, we're about to launch the whole thing on our website. So we have a, an interview I did, um, I guess a week ago, that's going to be going live uh, next week. And we're going to launch on our website, all the details of what's happening, but we're running the whole thing through our NPO, our nonprofit. Cool. And so we want it all to go through there. Um, you know, it just, it's a lot cleaner. It makes it a lot easier. And, uh, OPT, I mean, we're so busy as it is when you walk through here, you can see everybody's running. It's like the, yeah. the stock market in here, <laughs> and you know, everybody's running all the time and it's crazy. But uh, yeah, all the details will be on our website next week. And then I'm going to follow it up with Instagram posts and everything. So it's going to be all over social media everywhere, how people can contribute. And if schools aren't on the list, how to get them on the list, right. the whole thing. Because there's going to be kinks, man. There's going to be problems. You know, even, even things down to like, we have to train the trainers. You know, we take for granted that we know like, hey, don't point a telescope at the sun. Yeah. But there are a lot of adults that have never used a telescope or even really seen one that wouldn't know how dangerous that actually is. And these are things that we have to think about now, you know, and, and, you know, this was actually something someone else brought up to me, but they're like, you know, some of these adults are going to be like, well, why don't we just look at the sun? Nothing else is out. And it's like, man, I wouldn't have even thought about that, but you're right. Like they're going to make a laser and put it right through their eyes if we're not <laughs> careful. And, um, you know, so there's going to be another place on, on the site as well, where you can, any ideas that come up, like, you know, there may be something simple that we're missing. Like we, 
don't think about that stuff, you know, yeah. but it's all going to come together. And uh, I've got meetings with a lot of the cities here in Southern California that are saying, you know, the cities, when I talk to them, they're just like, we're in, we're in. And, and at least for us, like we're going to cover this part because our city wants to, we want to support science. We want to support STEM. We want to have an educated, you know, youth coming up and experiencing these things. And it's just like, man, that stuff right there makes all of it worth it. Just hearing the support from the cities, you know, it's, it's awesome, man. The whole thing has been amazing. Yeah. And I think if we can get kids, you know, for at least a few minutes to get away from reality TV and, um, you know, music videos and so many different things, even a lot of the news to me has kind of a negative connotation, but yeah, get them away from some of the chaos and get them looking at the universe. Uh, I think it'll change a lot of people's lives, hopefully. Well, to kind of close the circle on that just a little bit, I just want to mention that, you know, they, because with what I was talking about earlier in this podcast, where I had access uh, to telescopes at an age when it was very important to me to have that access, I, it was life changing when I was going through a lot of difficulty and a lot of hard times uh, with my life, deciding what I wanted to do, discovering my limitations and all of those things. I was lucky in the sense that the school district where I went, the high school that I went went to had a school district planetarium where they would loan out to students an RV6, a Newtonian reflector. They had an old C8. They had a 10-inch Cassegrain, not a Schmidt Cassegrain, that you could that you could check out, take with you, put up in a field somewhere near your home and use it for a couple of nights. That resource was absolutely life-changing for me and it was a very important resource. So as a testament to what you're doing, I can tell you that it does make a difference to have these resources available. I, I believe it does. And I, I may sound like a broken record, but, you know, I um, it really helps me. I needed a partner like Ginny is the best thing in the world. You know, I I was over at her place about a week ago. Uh, they were they were making dinner over there. And so um, I saw that on their counter they had uh, like this this stack of books and I was just looking through them and they were like all existentialism books and philosophy books. And I was just like, you know, Jenny, this is why we get along. So well. <laughs> like, this is why we right here, this is all I needed. To see. But, um, we were, um, we were talking about just kind of like what our life, I mean, this conversation, you know, just having it with Jenny and that's where I kind of realized how rooted I really am in this idea. But I really do believe there are four things that can change somebody's life positively. And those will, I mean, instantly like define somebody's life positively. There are, there are major life events that can happen that shift somebody negatively, you know, like a death or at the wrong time or something like that. But, but what I think that can instantly change and define somebody's life, four things. The first is, um, photography, right? And I would roll, I would say the second can go in with this one too, which is astronomy, Mm -hmm. but it's because those two deal with time. Right. And I think time is the master of all things in the universe, except a photographer who can stop time (laughs) and an astronomer who can look back in time. Right. Uh, Time is not the master of either of those. And when we really embrace the idea that like a photographer can take everyday life experience and create artistic expression instead. It's something that's very, very powerful. It gives you control over your perspective and the perspective of people around you. I think it's a beautiful thing. And when you meet somebody that's found photography, they are, even if they have a day job, they are a photographer now. And then whatever else they do, right? Right. 
And it's the same thing with astronomy. I mean, that's the one that got me. I looked through a telescope, man, and I was I was an astronomer now. Like I saw the moon out of an out of collimation Dobsonian. And I was in. I was in. I was gonna do whatever it takes. I mean, I bought OPT because of it, you know? It's yeah. like I looked through a telescope in my front yard at the moon out of collimation and I was in. You know, the other two things are acts of service, right? You find those people, it's like they take care of someone or they find a way to help somebody. And that's part of who they are now. Like these are the doctors, right? These are the people that feel like they, they you know, or uh, service people like uh, police officers or just anyone or people that dedicate themselves to nonprofits, um, teachers, even. teachers, yeah. exactly. The list goes on and on, but that's who they are. They're caregivers, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they want to help the people around them and that's how they connect. And then the last one I would say is like the arts. It would be like, whether it's audio or visual, you know, a painter or a musician, mm-hmm. but you find somebody that picks up a guitar for the first time or like starts playing around or instead of just like hearing music, the way a lot of us do, they like feel it yeah. and it's who they are, you know, and the same thing with paintings. They don't see a painting. I mean, people will look at like Jenny's one. She'll look at a painting and cry, you know, and I don't feel it that way, but you meet a lot of people. Kat Machen's another one. She does. Yeah. She feels it that way. And I think those people are painters first or guitarists or pianists or anything mm-hmm. like that's who they are. And then everything else comes after that. And those four things, when you have astronomy, photography, acts of service, and then the arts, I think those four things can instantly define somebody as who they are going to be. And if you look at those four things, that's the projects that we dedicate all of our our time and resources to is because it's like Future Stars, the observatory project, and even to some degree, which isn't ours, Space Fab, you look at it and it's like, it touches all four of these things, mm-hmm. right? It allows people access to all four of those things. That's why I believe in them the way that I do. And that's why we go all in and we just say, whatever it takes, we're in. If we fail, it will be because we failed trying to connect people to these four things. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> Count me in for, for all of it. Definitely. Me too. I mean, I, I think that one of the ways in which we can really help this project go forward, like you were saying, is to make sure that we can train the people who are going to be interfacing with the kids directly properly and that's something that i'm I'm all in for i'd love to be a part of that as well if you need somebody to train people i'm i'm all about that so or be a resource a local resource for the for the high schools that are in my Mm -hmm. area i'm happy to be a you know a resource to those teachers so you know free of charge volunteer and and i appreciate it and i appreciate you bringing it up because that's where projects like these fail Generally, it's not the money that that will inhibit this because it's easy to get people, you know, excited and involved in companies, you know, companies, they they want to participate in things that are going to do good. And this mm-hmm. is clearly going to do good. So it won't be the money, I think, that that fails. What fails is getting the army of people involved that it takes to make sure that no kids get hurt in this process, right? Make sure nobody looks at the sun. That has to be the goal. Nobody gets hurt doing this and that you really do train people because otherwise they don't get the view. Like it's not enough to get a telescope sitting there. It's got to be used. Yeah. And to go off of Tony's point, I think, um, educating them and also inspiring them that for me, that's a huge reason that I'm here. Um, and always wanting to hang out in OPT and around you guys, because, uh, the first time I walked into OPT, I was introduced to you, Dustin, um, and your passion for astronomy and photography and 
just hanging out with you and Ginny and it was contagious. And I think if you were to just drop off a telescope at a school, but the, the teacher, the educator wasn't inspired and excited by what this tool can do, mm-hmm. it's just going to sit there and get dust on it. So they have to be the ones that are excited to share the possibilities with the kids and get them excited. So I think that might be one of the challenges as well as just educating and inspiring whoever is going to be passing this along to, right. to all the kids as well. Yeah. And I, what I really hope, and, and I, I, I really think this probably will happen, but my hope is that as we put this information out there, we don't just have people saying like, hey, I want to volunteer my time for this period of time. But instead they say, I want to volunteer my ideas. I want to tell you, this is how I see it, or this is the experience I've had. You can get, you know, this is how you can kind of develop a system that allows this to be more successful because it's not important to us, anyone in this building, that it be ours, right? right. What's important is that it happens. And and we're in the fight with everyone if they're willing to partner to make it happen. But I hope that people volunteer their ideas and make help us refine it and make it better and better until it's perfect. And we've got people, you know, not even thinking about access to space is something that's just impossible, right? They can just do it. Right. To the extent that we can get teachers resources and what, you know, information on how to implement this in their schools and give them, you know, ideas on what to do once they've got the telescope, I think that goes a really long way. I mean, as an example, a local school near me was given by Embry-Riddle, which is an aeronautical university uh, close by in Daytona, gave a local school uh, a lot of equipment to do video production. It was, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff and it was a beautiful setup, but it, they got, no one knows how, no one knew how to use it. And so it didn't get used for anything. So the, the gift was sort of languishing and it needed somebody to come in and give it life. So to the extent that we provide that, that service, that support, this will, this will skyrocket. Yeah. And so we're going to make as much evergreen content as we can, you know, videos that we send out with it to just say like, here's how it's set up and, and make all that stuff available so that everything, we want everything to be accessible on a cell phone. Right. Because no matter where they are, they can probably have that or have that saved at least. Mm-hmm. But um, we know that it's not possible for us to be at every place all the time to, to do this. So that's kind of our plan right now. And, and that's what we've started working on is just the evergreen content that we can put out there and say, like, here's a video of collimation. Here's a video of setup, you know, how to set it up in 60 seconds, right? Something like that, those types of things. And we're trying to include things that that make it a shareable experience as well, like a cell phone adapter. So it's like, you don't just take, or you don't just see Jupiter in the red spot, but throw your cell phone on there and snap a picture. And now you can share that experience and get other people excited. And so we're hoping that, um, that we can make a dent in it and, really inspire people to want to explore the world or the universe around them. But um, I think if you get people looking out, you solve a lot of problems. I mean, a lot of problems with the way people see themselves and each other. I think that that changes the perspective of someone. It has all of us. Definitely. Yeah. It certainly has me. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, really actually excited to hear that backstory, Tony. I didn't know that about you, but uh, yeah, thank you for kind of opening up and sharing that. Well, that's a big part of what you do, right, Tony? You create content, you know, even before all of it, before we even met, you were creating content viewed by millions of people to um, to do exactly that, to educate and inform 
um, on these topics. Yeah, I've been lucky that there's been you know people interested in my stuff that I've made, but I got it. It it comes from a point that I, I it comes from the pay it forward philosophy because even though I've always had high paying jobs and I've always been well gainfully employed for the past thirty years, throughout all of that I've been driven to still do science outreach and science education. I don't know why, I I, I just do it, and it's it's something that makes me feel fulfilled. It makes me feel as if. I'm giving uh, back a little bit, and um, I'm just driven to do it, and I always will. I'm always going to be interested in teaching people how to use a telescope, or what a, you know, how do we find exoplanets, and just you know, how do right. we know that the universe is expanding? All of these things I just love to talk about, and so it's it's in that spirit of paying it forward that I do it. So, yeah. So Travis, your main um, avenue for people to inter- interface with your work is through your Instagram account is that correct yeah that is correct okay and that is uh, travis burke photography right yes now one thing i wanted to get your thoughts on is we were talking about influencing in an authentic way uh do you feel like the irony in what we're talking about here is that both of you gibson picks and travis burke photography have a large presence on a platform that is largely starting to be considered one of the most painful ones to be on emotionally for people <laughs> do you guys yeah. do you guys feel like that, that 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 your contributions are making a change to that or do you is it something you're fighting against do you feel that on instagram or is it just uh uh you know do you not are you not tuned into that feeling very well because what i read about is that people look at these idealized inauthentic lives and they start to feel like they're missing out on things do you guys feel like you're combating that or is it just not something you you worry about Dustin, did you want to chime in? Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, you're you're the one with a million people looking at it every day, but I've never seen that with the people. I, I think the good thing about Instagram is you choose what you see. Right. And people that follow you, I mean, you might get in the first hour, you might have a thousand comments on something you post, but all of the comments I've ever seen on yours are extremely positive, not just about you, but about each other. And it's all people that have an interest in, you know, nature and outdoors and adventuring and all those things. Yeah, I've been I've been very fortunate. I will say, Tony, that yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying and know that it is true. And even from a inside perspective, um, I think social media has had a an impact on me. So sometimes, obviously, in an extremely positive way, and has gotten me to where I am in a huge part. But also has uh, some ne- negative impacts as well. And yeah, I can't even imagine. I'm fortunate enough to be able to travel to so many beautiful places, but there's so many people that are kind of stuck in a situation where they can't get out as much and to just go online and see, I mean, the whole drive of social media right now is to take a picture of yourself and in these beautiful places or doing something cool or exciting or fun. And so anytime somebody logs in, they're just seeing, like you said, this idealistic lifestyle. And that can be depressing or um, challenging for people to look at if they're not in a good space mentally. And it has happened to me, um, even being in my position and doing what I do. So I know that it's a real thing. And for me, I, I try to be cautious of what I'm putting out and whether it's brands that I work with or just what I'm promoting. And going back to authenticity, I started working, you know, in a ton of jobs that I just wasn't happy with. And a lot of challenging jobs and low paying jobs. And, you know, I think we talked about this last time, but scraping grease 
out of <laughs> restaurant vents through the middle of the night and yeah. working in warehouses. And I, I decided to take that leap of faith and follow my dreams. And so that's what I try and put out to my audience is not look at me and wish you were me. I think I actually read um, somebody that has said that recently. Um, they said, who has a large following, they said, if I've ever made you wish you were me, I've done my job. And I kind of cringed at that because for me, <laughs> oh yeah, that is. Cringy. I don't want you to. <laughs> I don't want you to wish you were me. I want you to be the best you that you can be, and I want to just inspire you to take those leaps of faith and live passionately, follow your dreams, and don't live with regrets. And whatever that means for you, I'm just hoping to kind of inspire and instill that in other people. So that's kind of my way of of combating a little bit of how I felt and what I see on social media. I think you do a good job of that, man. Yeah, I, I do think too. that. Uh, I do too. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, we live in a world where you know the perspectives that most people are getting are the perspectives of themselves. Uh, when when you see an influencer, you know, uh, out there promoting a product or whatever it is, doing living a lifestyle that may seem incredible. Uh, the perspective is very different than the perspective you're portraying, both you and Dustin, with your with your images of the night sky. You're, the perspective you're seeing now is one of your place in a much bigger thing. And that's an entirely different message. And it's one that in this day and age where people are posting pictures of themselves on top of Mount Everest, standing in a line, you know, hundreds of people <laughs> thick, trying to get to the top while they conquer nature, uh, that perspective is offset by, I think, the just looking up, you know, looking at these images of, of galaxies and and uh, nebulae and, 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 you know, planets. It's just, it's not the same kind of perspective. So it's why it's, I think, more important than ever. And it, it's also important that it's happening on Instagram, I think. So I just wanted to yeah. highlight that because I've been noticing on Instagram lately that, you know, I've been reading a lot of stories about this and hearing a lot of comments about this on Instagram. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think it's a very real thing. And I'm, I'm excited to feel motivated and inspired to kind of make a shift in that and show people a little bit more of the reality. Yeah, inspire them to, to follow their dreams and hopefully look up in the night sky and get a new perspective on life. And coming soon to a high school near you, a telescope that will let you connect directly. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. Love well, it. I guess we'll close out this podcast. I want to thank our guest, uh, Travis Burke. He is uh, at Travis Burke Photography. He's an just all around great guy, a wonderful photographer, but it is got the philosophy that I think the at least Dustin and I both shared deeply is that we want to pay it forward. We want to give, we want to make the world a better place than was before we got here and to the extent that we can do that is i think driving all of us to do what we do so again i'm just i'm happy to know you guys and this has just been a great podcast thanks for talking no thank you tony this is uh this is what what it should be and um, yeah that's all I it's all about this, this team right here can make a dent in it right yeah i appreciate you guys inviting me to chat with you and inspire me and uh yeah let's try and make some beautiful things happen Thank you. Okay. Well, on behalf of Dustin Gibson and Travis Burke, I want to thank you all so much for listening. And as always, keep looking up. Space Junk is produced by Deep Astronomy and sponsored by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California. Please visit our website at spacejunkpodcast.com. Also, please send any questions and comments or ideas for new episodes to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com. <laughs>